0: Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts
1: podcast.
2: Wherever you find American troops today, you find the men of the Transportation Corps.
0: Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the line,
2: the Army Ordnance Corps.
0: Welcome back to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. As usual, I am Staff Sergeant Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th ESC. And we have a great episode today. We are joined by Chief Warrant Officer 3 Robert Carl and Colonel Chris Brookie, the Deputy Commanding Officer for 19th ESC. They both have interesting stories to tell as they both have a lot of history with Korea and with 19th ESC. So, um, sir, we'll start with you. So um, we kind of... Just play kind of a get to know you game when we first start so what can you tell us about what made you decide to join the army?
1: Uh, actually as I was coming out of high school I um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do so I thought the army would be a good choice to get into something go explore the world and then decide what my future might be.
0: Okay and so what was your first MOS? What
1: I was actually back then it was called a 67 uniform it was a Chinook mechanic and crew chief
0: Okay, cool. And uh, we'll get into a little more about the uh, how you, you arrived at your current duty position uh, la- later on. <laughs> right. And so, Chief, uh, same question to you. How, how did you find yourself in the Army?
2: So for me, a little bit different. I got a phone call in the spring of 99, uh, promised a job. I got excited, so I accepted, and I joined the Army as uh, right when I was a junior in high school. So I did all my training. In the summer between junior and senior year high school my whole senior year i was a reservist getting paid by the army i decided i was going to go to college so i went active duty
0: after that so you were actually were you 17 at basic training i was uh actually i turned 17 right before i shipped wow. to basic training okay. uh, excuse me 18 so i was 17 right before i shipped okay this bright-eyed private for real yes <laughs> okay and with that sound we're going to shift gears a little bit and go into our 50 meter target questions and answers. So it's going to come a little bit faster, a um, little b- bit different questions. So uh, we're going to start with you, Chief. Um, last book you read or are reading? Currently, um, I just finished reading Harry Potter. Oh, which one? The first one. Really? Okay. So you're, are you in for the long haul or read I th- all of them? I think I'm going to read all of them. Okay, but so my my wife and my son have read all of them and they. Never let me forget that I haven't read any of them. So one of these days I'm going to have to do the same. Okay. So sir, over to you. Same question.
1: A little bit different answer. I um, haven't read any books lately, but I am in a Korean language class. I'm mean, reading Korean language books, which are extremely exciting in Korean language.
0: Interesting. So so you, um, you're you working on your Hangul then?
1: Hangul Moleo. Okay.
0: How, how's that going for you? How fluent would you call yourself?
1: Uh, not very yet. Okay,
0: well, good luck with that, sir. So next question, ice cream cake or cake and ice cream?
1: How about apple pie and ice cream?
0: I'll take it, okay. Chief? Apple pie and ice cream sounds great. Okay, Okay. we're zagging a little bit already. Okay, Um, so we've obviously, you know, being in the army, we've done a lot of long plane rides, especially to Korea. So chief, what tips do you have for a long, long plane ride, like coming to Korea? A big thick book, a nice comfortable pillow,
2: and some pills to sleep. Okay, sir. How about you?
1: I agree with Chief. Generally, it's uh, got to have the neck pillow. I mean, that's that's golden. And then maybe a glass of wine when you first sit down on the plane. And okay. Sleep as much as you can. Definitely. Of course, now with the mask, that may be a little bit more complicated.
0: True. You might have a little more elbow room though with the uh, less so. less crowded flights. Okay, uh, sir. Staying with you, um, Korea has a little bit of traffic you know in the you'll run into traffic on the peninsula where in your army career what in your world travels what's the worst traffic you've ever encountered washington dc <laughs> that's probably the most common answer we get actually
1: yeah i ride a harley davidson motorcycle oh that's right riding it through the traffic here gets to be fun but i will take it any day over dc chief how about you i think the worst traffic was uh, in
0: rome oh really yes were you on a motorcycle there i was in a taxi holding on to dear life (laughs) (laughs) all right that sounds good so um with that we are going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about um both these soldiers what brought them to korea initially and uh, their impressions over the years of it stay with us right here on the every soldier counts podcast This is Sean Johnson, the Area 4 Outdoor Rec Manager. Do you like adventure? Do you love high adrenaline activities? Do you enjoy exploring Korea? The Warrior Adventure Quest program is a Department of the Army program designed to introduce soldiers to activities such as zip line, bungee jump, paintball, ATV and more that serves as alternatives to potentially dangerous behaviors. The program is free to soldiers. Outdoor recreation includes transportation to and from the site and the cost of the activity. For more information and participation rules, please call your local Outdoor Recreation Center located here in Area 4 at 763-2270 or 763-4562 or by stopping by the Camp Walker Community Center. Hope to see you here. Back on the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast, talking with Chief Warrant Officer 3 Carl and Colonel Brookie, the DCO for 19th ESC. So, Chief, we were talking a little bit about uh, before we got on the podcast here 19th ESC was your first duty station. So, what do you remember about arriving in Korea, arriving in 19th ESC? What what year was that?
2: So, that was in uh, February of 2001. Um, It was nice and cold. And I remember. Going to PT formation, and there was a two-star general saying, "If you don't outrank me, you will be here." Let's be hmm.
0: I kind of like that. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, what when when you got when you found out you were going to Korea though? What what did you think? Is that, were were nineteen or twenty at that point? At that time, I was nineteen, uh, and actually,
2: I was pretty excited because I wanted to be as far away from home as possible. When I learned where Korea was, I was like, "Okay, that's far enough. That's good."
0: And I forgot to, and where is
2: home, Chief? It's a, a small town called Tecate, California. It's in East County, San Diego. Hmm. Okay.
0: And so, and and you're you are a, I forgot to mention earlier, you are the, the fusion chief for 19th ESC in the intelligence, our, our G2 intelligence section. And you, previously you were an Intel soldier. Yes, right? that's correct. Yes. Okay. So um, what, what brought you to the Intel world? What about that appealed to you?
1: So
2: actually when I switched over from uh, the research to active duty, um, I was basically the recruiter gave me a book, said, hey, choose whatever you want. I went through the list of of MOSs and I saw Intel seemed pretty interesting to me. I actually wanted to be a counter Intel. Uh, However, the school away was too too long, six months. So Mm -hmm. I chose to
0: be an Intel analyst instead. And you, you still went to uh, Fort Huachuca? to do Okay. All right, sir. So you said you, you started out as a Chinook pilot. So um, I know you were in Korea pretty early on. Was, was that your first duty station as well?
1: It was. I was a crew chief mechanic at uh, Camp Humphreys, Korea. Arrived here in, uh, God, I guess it was July 1986. I had just turned 18 years old, bright-eyed and full of energy. And, oh, my God. Had two military policemen, would you believe that, as my sponsors, as I arrived, they were such good influence for me.
0: And so you were actually younger than Chief was when you went to basic training then?
1: About the same. I, okay. I joined my senior year of high school, 17 years old, had my 18th birthday in basic training. I still remember that. I did so many pushups for birthday cards. <laughs> I hated my family so much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and um, so I was just at Camp Humphreys last week. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's to say that it's changed is an understatement. What, what, what do you remember about Camp Humphreys back
1: then? Everything revolved around Seoul. Humphreys was a little small outpost with an airfield in the middle, but you know lots of helicopters and airplanes. But that was, you know, it, and it wasn't the metropolis it is today.
0: And I would think um, like Pyeongtaek and kind of the, the outside area was radically different too, I would
1: think. It was a village, mm. really, with farms and rice paddies. Still a little bit like that today, but it's changed a lot. Korea overall has changed a lot. Now, if you look at where it's been in the last 50 years, the Industrial Revolution it's had, it's amazing. It's a beautiful country. The cities, are compared to what they were 50 years ago, are amazing. Yeah, the, I mean, Seoul
0: is nicknamed the miracle on the Han. And so in the 80s, it was still kind of building up to that kind of economic explosion.
1: It was really up until uh, the Olympics in 1988. Korea was still struggling a little bit economically and how to manufacture and a, uh, manufacturing, get its industry base uh, put underneath. And once that kicked in high gear, and you look at what they have now today, Samsung, Hyundai, SK, these are world names. Fantastic. So were you uh, still in Korea when they had the Olympics? I was leaving right before it happened. I was trying to stay, but I'd already been here two years. I went from E1 to E4. They said that was enough. You really need to leave.
0: And so um, not too long after that, you made the decision to pursue a commission.
1: Actually, yes, but it was kind of an accident, if you want to know the story. Mm-hmm, definitely. So, uh, made sergeant, went to Fort Seal, Oklahoma. Was an NCO and thought I was, you know, fantastic and doing a great job. And one day I went to get a haircut. I was getting a haircut off Post Barbershop, the Korean Barbershop. Um, an older gentleman came in and sat down. And I was in uniform during lunchtime. And I was talking to the, the barber there, laughing and joking. And finally goes, so, young know, sergeant, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a crew chief mechanic here at Fort Seal. Knows, wants you know, on should helicopters. Hmm. How long have you been doing that? And you more questions. What do you like the Army? Well, yes, sir, I do. It's been a good career so far. What do you want to do next? Well, I think I'd like to be an officer. Why? I want to help soldiers. I want to lead soldiers. I gave him some good answers, I guess. A little bit, he goes, would you like some help? Okay. Who are you? I'm Major General Brown. I'm the former base commander here at Fort Seal. Wow. So, I would like to go back to your unit today and tell your first sergeant commander, I'm going to come visit them tomorrow. That was a great conversation with my first sergeant. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everything changed. Interesting. And so, I saw um, in your bio, sir, you did Green to Gold. I did. So, um, that's uh, one of those programs you hear about. Not many people maybe know someone that has done it. What were, what were your impressions of it?
1: I thought it was fantastic. Uh, what General Brown did for me back then was he wrote a letter of recommendation. He helped me get me connected to the local RTC department to fill out a green to go packet. Back then, it wasn't as well known even as it is today, and helped me navigate that process. He really took care of me, and I appreciate it. stayed in touch with him for for several years. But it was a process where you get to change over. You get to take all that you've learned as a listed soldier, and now go lead soldiers at the officer level. That was fantastic.
0: And so f- to our listeners, if you're not familiar with Green to Gold, that's where you, the Army basically you get a, a college education while doing all the Army stuff on the side. It basically.
1: is. Well, what they do is they, they chapter, you, actually chapter you out of the Army and you get to go attend a uh, professional college of uh, your choice as long as you're accepted and have an RTC program. And you go through a two- or three- or four-year degree program and then you are commissioned at the end uh, back into the Army. Now, while you're in college, you do get uh, full – Tuition paid for, you get a stipend for your books and other supplies. Then most universities will throw in a room and board scholarship to match it. So I went to college for free. It cost me a dime and even got to draw my GI bill at the same time.
0: So for soldiers uh, listening who are interested in that, sir, would you recommend they try to get it? Did the letter of recommendation help you um, that you got from General Brown? Would you advise someone to seek something like that?
1: It certainly it does. But, you no, know, the Commanding General 19th, the has two of these to give away every year. We, and we struggle with people to apply for them. So if anybody's interested, certainly reach out, contact me or anyone in the G1. We'll certainly put you on the track for it. It's a great program. If you've got a soldier that shows that potential, then it's fantastic. Let's do it.
0: So, yeah, any 19th soldiers listen to that. Yeah, um, that's a fantastic opportunity. Um, so, uh, Chief, you also, um, how long, tell us a, bit, a little about your decision to switch over to the Warrant Officer Corps. So
2: I was a Sergeant first class, uh, and I was stationed in Camp Casey um, back in 2013. And then I I, I came to the realization that um, as much as I love being the NCO, leading soldiers, I also loved doing intel. And I was trying to think what is the best way for me to continue to do both. And uh, the the solution that I came up with is becoming a warrant officer. I still work with all the soldiers at at the lowest level. And I get to lead them and I get to teach them about intel and I help their organization get better uh, by doing so.
0: So, um, Sergeant First Class going to Warrant Officer Candidate School. That's what they, in, yes. in a Fort, Fort Rucker, Alabama. Um, so, what was, was that kind of a, a rude awakening for you? But did you think you kind of knew everything um, the Army had? You know, at that point, you were a pretty experienced soldier. What was that like for you?
2: So it, it was a little bit uh, interesting because you think, it, you know, you reach a starting first class level, you're you you you're pretty squared away, you, you know everything. And then you have to take off that rank and pretend like you don't know nothing and do that for five weeks. But it's definitely a good experience. Um, it's uh, kind of
0: frame it as basic training on steroids with uh, education on top of it. And so, lo- looking back at that now, as a uh, you know, you've been promoted fairly recently to CW three. So, wh- uh, what what do you think about that decision you made then?
2: Absolutely, the best decision I
0: ever made in my life, mm-hmm. definitely. And what um, Colonel Brookie was talking about his process for green to gold. What what about going to warrant officer candidate school? What what does that entail?
2: So it's, it's an application process. Uh, you do require re- letters of recommendation from your uh, company commander, battalion commander, a senior warrant officer in the field that you're trying to go into, whether it be a technical field or flight. Um, and then uh,
0: submit your packet mm-hmm. and get boarded. Um, hmm. And uh, talking about, uh, we talked a little bit about Korea, shifting back to that topic. So, uh, Chief, you've spent a long time in Korea. And and. With 19th ESC specifically, can you, can we talk about that?
2: Yes. Uh, so I, like I said earlier, I came to Korea in February of 2001 to 19th ESC G2, um, and I was with G2 uh, until the summer of 2007, and then I PCS to Camp Carroll to be the to take over the S2 shop at the Far Sustainment Brigade, which is now the Second ID Sustainment Brigade. I was there for two years, and then finally I left Korea.
0: So that sustainment brigade used to be at Carroll. The, yes. this, they're, they're at Humphreys They're right at Humphreys now. right okay. now. Okay, yeah. did not know that. Okay, and so, um, and now you're you're back in Korea, obviously. So what is what is something, what, what's brought you back to Korea? What what made you want to come back?
2: So shortly before I left Korea, the first time I got married uh, to my wife, Hannah, who is from Tegu And then uh, having family here is one of the things that has brought me back to Korea. Um, so all my, my in-laws are here, so... Hmm. My children get to
0: enjoy grandma and grandpa as much as possible. Excellent. And um, so, uh, sir, you left Korea 1988. When was uh, w- when was the le- next time you came back to the peninsula?
1: Came back again after uh, I got commissioned, went to officer basic course. Would you believe it? My first assignment as an officer was back to Korea, back to 19th ESC where I was the XO for the 4th Quartermaster uh, Detachment down in Busan. We each have Camp the parachute rigger detachment probably one of the best assignments I ever had. The only airborne second lieutenant in Korea I had blast.
0: Wow. wow. And so that's how you got your your rigger badge yes. that you're wearing. So to, what what goes into that kind of assignment then that that a unique unit like that?
1: It was it was uh, we go through about a 6 week course at Fort Lee, Virginia, you know, to earn the rigor badge uh, after you've completed Airborne school of course. And then for the parachute unit down in Busan was here, it was really about uh, looking at air delivery materials. My need for continuity here, keeping those serviceable and, and ready, but also doing joint peer session with the ROC Army, the ROC Special Forces, U.S. Special Forces, U.S. Marine Corps to do airborne operations with them. It was a fantastic job.
0: And so Busan, sir, uh, we still, we don't have the presence there maybe as we did before, but we still do, 19th ESC still does have soldiers down there. What can you tell us about uh, the, the kind of work they do, the, the, their mission working with them?
1: Yeah, well, today it's mostly uh, a combination of two forces. There are some soldiers from SDC from Eight Thirty Seventh Transportation Battalion down there operating the port, and also we have the Busan Support Center, which is really a logistics uh, node for uh, supplies and things inbound to Korea.
0: And um, that's it's Pier Eight where we, we have that really unique facility right right down there where we can do tons of stuff. It from. is.
1: It's really the the major U.S. port here in Korea for reception of supplies and equipment. It's embedded into the Rock uh, government uh, maritime operations there to allow us to have co-use of that.
0: And m- mentioning the Rock, sir, um, I've been to a few events with you where we have these alliance events a lot of times with the Rock Army. What, is, what has been your experience uh, working with the the Rock Army, kind of this unique aspect of our mission down here?
1: I think it's a fantastic time to really share the alliance and, and build on it because you build on it more from a professional, but also a personal dialogue? You make these friendships that may last a lifetime.
0: And um, we talk a lot about um, on the on these podcasts just uh, the uniqueness of you know be, not only being in Korea but 19th DSC, working with Rock Army, working with KATUSAs, uh, Chief. What's been your experience working with KATUSAs throughout your career in Korea?
2: So it's, it's been really great um, in terms of uh, being able to leverage the 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 expertise of 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 having a korean national work with you to help you solve problems that you wouldn't be able to um address like for example uh road road issues when we had a krf we had to have a better understanding of 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 the traffic peak hours um traffic issues that you never you you wouldn't find out in the in the us app you have to use korean sources korean sites and the katusas were excellent at providing that uh, fidelity to ensure that KRF units were able to get to their final objective with no issues.
0: And uh, what about as a, as a younger soldier um, working with Katusa's on either side of you kind of back in those days?
2: Um, so interesting story. One of uh, Katusa's I worked with when I first got here in uh, 2001, I actually um, not only did I work with him, but we also had shared a, uh, friendship off duty
0: um, and actually introduced him to his wife. Oh really? So, okay. So, um, sir, you mentioned, the, you mentioned the Harley. I know you, you drive, I've seen you driving the Harley around um, and I know also you're going re- retiring um, in the future. Is there a lot more Harley riding in your future? What are some goals you have uh, post-military?
1: Uh, working through that, looking forward to retirement. I mean, as I, I just went over my, my end of my started my thirty fourth year in the army. It's probably about time the body's going to give up one of these days on, on doing all the hard stuff. But it's okay. Look forward to it. My plan is to transition. Um, I'll probably take a couple months vacation, and then I'm looking forward to coming back to Korea. You're coming back. I'd like to to as a civilian contractor, GS. Uh, look for employment. Settle down. Maybe make some roots here for a few years and see what happens.
0: So what what went into so um, Daegu area has obviously made a big impression on you, sir. So what, what, is, how, what would, you, how would you sell someone on, on Daegu area for?
1: The-, the easiest way to sell someone on Daegu is take a drive around the city, let them see the mountains, the river, the lake. Uh, I live off post. I have a, a really enjoy the community. I think the Korean people are some of the most caring, um, supportive people you ever met in are meeting or in the world. They really do care about their city and the people in their country. And they also, they're probably one of the most family-oriented people and cultures you'll meet. I like that, and I'd like to be a part of that culture.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's, um, my family um, is with me in Korea here, their first time. I, I had been here before, but uh, that's how kind of I sold them on it. I told them, like, wait till you meet Koreans. I mean, you, you'll you'll know, you know, when, when you meet them. Um, so, sir, so you mentioned uh, you're in your third decade of Army service. So, um, looking back, what's, we, you talked about what Korea was like in the '80s. What are some ways the army has changed in Korea over the years, or just the army period that you've noticed?
1: Um, I would say we've become more strict on our reporting and the discipline of our soldiers. Back in the '80s here, if you made a mistake, you know, if something happened to veal, your platoon sergeant, platoon leader, they'll come in, counsel you, get you some corrective training, make sure you're straight. Today, a lot of that goes up to much higher levels. It's probably necessary. We've become more visible with social media, with the things that are out there. Uh, everything we do is in spotlight. So we've got to be more careful and more responsible for what we do. Back then, it wasn't as uh, such as a highlight as it is today. We're a simple incident downtown, become an international incident. So that's changed a lot, and our Army's become more sensitive to that, which is a good thing. And we owe it to the country of Korea to be better ambassadors to the United States. And we owe it to our own country to be that.
0: Chief, how about you? What, what do you? what do you remember being different back then?
2: So I, I agree a lot with that. Uh, just based off of my experiences, uh, when I saw soldiers getting in trouble, it was always that first line, like, come here, we'll take care of this. And no one else knew about it. However, the perceptions of, of the community seeing whatever happened, what was the issue, and the, the way it's being handled now is definitely much better um, in that regards and basically to emphasize the importance of, of our roles, ambassadors, Um not only for the unit but for our country, so I think that that's a, a good change. Uh, other other changes uh, it's mostly in our our leveraging of technology. Um, for example, I, like I said, in G two shop we do security clearances and stuff like that. I remember running security clearances on a little floppy disk. Mm-hmm. Now everything's online, web based, very interactive. So a lot of the techni- technology. Changes and uh, the way we leverage that technology.
0: Interesting. And so, as we close out here, um, kind of our final topic. Uh, we, sir, on the first podcast, we had talked with General Allen about this, about uh, how when the we're still in the middle of the pandemic, we still have our our co- our core tenants or COVID protocols, but. Uh, people might forget that the pandemic kind of started, right? This is ground zero for the pandemic. And 19th ESC was a big part of the response to that. So what do you remember about those early days just over a year or about a year, a couple months from now,
1: before now? I remember long days, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. We we, we trained how to defend ourselves from bullets and, you know, and an enemy. But when you try to fight against a virus, something you can't see, don't know anything about, I mean, the whole world was bashing Tegu. It was Daegu made the world news and there were restrictions put on people in Daegu going anywhere. You know, you go to Camp Humphrey's. Oh, you're from Daegu. Yeah, you got to leave. You can't stay here. I mean, there was a lot we didn't know. And certainly created a lot of fear and a kind of, a, I would say a, a dark time for the city of Daegu and people, soldiers that live and work here. But now we're getting past that. I don't know if y'all saw it, but this week they're talking about almost 40,000 vaccines being flown in to support USFK. by the end of May, we have the potential to vaccinate everybody in USFK that wants a vaccine. Maybe normalcy to some level can come back. And that's what I look forward to. We all went through a dark time, scary time. We didn't know anything about, weren't trained for it really, and really had no knowledge about. I probably know more about vaccines and viruses now than I ever knew in my life. But, you know, it's something we went through. We survived it. It'll make us stronger. But it's not something I don't want to do again.
0: Definitely. And then uh Chief, you and you and I know about PCSing here during the, uh, the pandemic. What, where do you, um, what were your impressions of um, the protocols put in place for them?
2: So I, I think at first it was a rocky start, but uh, like I said, technology, leveraging technology was really good. Um, so I, I helped uh, sponsor soldiers um, through MS teams, make sure they have the all the right information on time um, so that when they're in that quarantine transition period, they're able to actually take care of all their requirements so that they could show up uh, after quarantine, start working, get ready to uh, engage in the fight. But it's definitely, it was, uh, the start was a little bit shocking, definitely um, improved over time as we started to understand the processes and the requirements, um, and then leveraging technology to help those soldiers transition from the States to Korea.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that, we're starting to talk about more and more is how you can, you're in the quarantine, but you can, you know, use the quarantine to work for you, you know, knock out the, the early training, you know, get to know your leadership a little bit while you're, while you're in quarantine. Okay. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining us here on the every soldier counts podcast. Um, anything, uh, we, anything else you want to hit up any topics?
1: Uh, just a thanks for doing this and appreciate what PEO does for us all every day and keeps us, uh, keeps a voice in the air.
0: Well, thanks sir. And, uh, Chief, anything?
1: No, thank you, Sergeant Ross.
0: All right. Well, want to say thanks again for listening to the Every Soldier Counts podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast app you use, so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Nineteenth Expeditionary Sustainment Command. We'll talk to you next time on the Every Soldier Counts podcast.